0: So this is uh, part six of six of uh, uh, How to Know God's Will. And uh, so final chapter here. And then we'll have one more week in this book. Uh, and then we'll switch over into a new, a new book. It's the same series, uh, but we'll start a new quarter here in a couple of weeks. The new books are over there. You can take those at your convenience. But you have a couple of weeks to grab those if you'd like. So this week we're looking at God's will and the glory of God. And uh, the key point this week is to bring glory to God when we obey his, by obeying his will. Uh, in your book, this 107. Year, yeah, 107. And on 107, in your book, there's a question to kind of break the ice and get us started. And it says, uh, what's something you've experienced that really took your breath away?
1: Besides a kid jumping out of the laundry room I at mean, when it started?
0: <laughs> so you've got those kinds of kids. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's a good Yeah, I just nice. come out Kung Fu fighting. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the other Maddie stayed over last night, and then this morning she was trying to find her shoes and her phone. Uh, apparently, your kids hide uh, her stuff. Surprise. And, uh, yeah, we were down one Birkenstock when it was time to go. We did find her, though. Um, anybody else? What's something that really took your breath away?
2: I got one. I don't know what came to my mind, but uh, years ago, I went to visit with some friends in Canada, and uh, they were down the street from their house. They had a wharf, and you know, the, the ferry boats would come over and tag on uh, to the wharf, and the cars would...
3: And they were jumping off
2: right after the boat would leave because the water was being churned. And they just thought it was the funnest thing. And uh, They said, you gotta do that. And I said, I'm not doing that. And there's like 20, 30 feet up in the air. And like I said, the water's being churned. And they said, you gotta do it up there, I'll do it once. And I jumped in right next to it. Um, went straight down, water's about 40 degrees. And before I could even take a breath. I didn't know where I was in the water and I just kept doing flips backwards at that um, Craziest thing I've ever
0: <laughs> Dumbest thing <I've> ever. <laughs> Probably a lot of things missing now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> in my hair, so. Sounds like a one and done experience. Oh, it was, yeah. i yeah. oh,
2: okay. um, scared when I went
0: over the edge because it just drops to nothing. Yeah. Forever. Wow. Anybody else? How about this side of the room? Anything ever taking your breath away? Famous art? Anything? No?
2: First
4: time I saw Chris. Oh (laughs)
0: <laughs> Tracy shooting for Hall of Fame. <laughs> husband tree. Um, I, I tend to have my breath taken away by seeing uh, elements of God's creation. Uh, I feel like there are just some cr- incredible things around this earth that just show kind of the, the craftsmanship of God. And one of those for me was I went to a meeting one time in Canada, uh, kind of northwest uh, part, part of Canada. We arrived at night and we knew it was a nice place, but we didn't really know how nice until the next morning. And we woke up the next morning and we looked out the back side of the property and there was this glacier lake uh, called Lake Louise. And uh, it's, this, it's about the color of that notebook uh, right there that Beth has. And there's a glacier feeding this lake and it's just this incredible color and it's got mountains all around it, you know. And it's one of those times where you look and you say, wow, only, only God could do this, you know. It's really a cool thing. Uh, the, the point is, is that uh, when things are taking our breath away, um, we really have an opportunity to glorify God, right? To recognize uh, his, his, whether it's in creation uh, or even like in art, um, you're not astounded by the actual art itself. You're actually astounded by the person that did it, right? You're sort of like, how, how are they so skilled, like? So let's read the Bible Meets Life uh, segment here. It's on page 108 in your guide. And can I get somebody to
3: read that for us? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, so when it comes to art, our opinions can be quite diverse as to what makes good art. Some works of art can leave many of us scratching our heads. What was the artist thinking? Others can look at that same piece of art and think, it's brilliant. Some art is almost universally recognized as great art. For example, Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper, or Michelangelo's David. When people observe these works in person, they do not marvel at the quality of the canvas or the wonderful piece of marble. They marvel at the person who created it. A phenomenal work of art leads us to glory in its creator. We are God's creation and we are created for his glory. Unfortunately, we don't reflect God's glory as we should. In our sinful state, we too often seek our own glory, but if we want to bring glory to our creator, where do we begin? When we live as he created us to live, when we follow his plan for our lives, our lives bring glory to God, and we experience our greatest joy.
0: Yeah, interesting there. I think there are two, two main points right there in that last sentence. It says, you know, when we follow his plan for our lives, our lives bring glory to God. That's, that would be good in itself, right? That's good enough. And then we get the bonus uh, add-on here. It says, and we experience our greatest joy. Do we believe that? That we get our greatest joy when we're following the will of God? Right? So why, why, do we, <laughs> why don't we do that all the time? Right? There are times when we choose to walk away from His will. We intentionally sin. Right? We intentionally, sometimes we unintentionally do it. Sometimes we intentionally do it. Why would we do that? Sometimes we think we know our plan better than He does. Yeah, right. It, it was actually found a little higher in that same paragraph. We seek our own glory from time to time. We think we know better than him. We become our own God, essentially, in that, in that moment, uh, which, which is an interesting thing. But we should be reminded today that we live our best life when we're living inside the will of God, and we're, we're attempting to give him glory. Um, the set, so this sort of pre-work and the actual passage we're going to read, I'll be honest, struggle to find the connection today. Perhaps we, have, we will as we go through this. But the setting today is actually uh, the death of Lazarus and his resurrection uh, from the dead. And uh, we're going to read in John 11 uh, a couple of different passages uh, today that, that really focus on that. Um, but tying that back to living in God's will and the glory of God, a little bit of a struggle. So maybe you guys can help me as we, uh, as we go through. Um, the first passage is in John 11, 1 through 4. And will somebody read that for us?
1: Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick he heard this Jesus said this sickness will not end in death no it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through
0: it yeah so this is one of those passages where uh, Jesus speaks about something and, uh, and, and attempts to help people understand that bad things happen sometimes to good people right and the reason that they happen to good people is that there's an opportunity for God to be glorified um this is going to be a hard lesson for the family, right? Um, how long is Lazarus going to be dead and in the tomb before Jesus arrives? Two days. Two, three, days. three days. Yeah, so days. Four, four days total. Jesus delays two days, but there's also the time to travel to where Jesus is to get him word, right? There's a couple of extra days there. He ends up in the tomb four days. Uh, this particular study in the book jumps ahead to verse 38, uh, which, which for me, you miss a lot of the juicy parts of the story uh, of Lazarus. But before we decide to read 5 through 37, uh, I think we should uh, you know, look at some of the questions here. And this is where I'll, I'll certainly invite your participation uh, to, to a high degree. So, question two, it's on page 109 in your book, and it says, how do you tend to react to God's delayed response to prayer? Impatient. Right, so we get impatient. What, what else? Pick it
4: up and try to handle it ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sometimes that can be part of that impatience. What else happens? Anybody have a, a specific example?
2: I mean, it's kind of an odd example. I had a time (laughs) many years ago at work that something was, I was in charge of leading this team and and things were going very poorly. Um, It was an unusual situation because the people on the team were um, higher-ups above me that I was supposed to help work through this problem and could not get them to engage at all into this group. Um, and did not know what to do and, and started to pray about it and you know got impatient and, and struggled until I finally, you know, basically turned it over to God and prayed, Just teach me what you want to teach me out of this situation and once I did that things started to get better. You know, at the point I finally kinda of gave it over to him and finally said, This is going poorly, I don't know what, you know, I'm going down in flames, just what are you trying to teach me here? <laughs> but I think it took that point as, you know, I was wrestling with that to truly, truly hand it over to him at that point and say, you know, it doesn't matter from a worldly standpoint, quite honestly, if it goes bad or poorly, but what are you trying to show me out of this?
0: Yeah. So in this particular case, God delayed because, Jesus delays because he's going to show God's glory, Right. Uh, if he merely shows up and heals uh, a merely sick Lazarus versus a dead Lazarus, uh, right, there's a, there's a degree difference there, right? There's a big step function there. If he saves you midway through the process, does anybody know that he's the one that intervened, right? There's a reason for delayed uh, mercy sometimes. What are other reasons why God would delay responding to his children? There's always a
4: lesson.
0: Perhaps the lesson hasn't been learned yet. All right. um, I can't remember exactly which family member it was, um, but it's one of ours, it's probably her mom. Her mom's one that throws these things my direction from time to time and I have to sort of deal with them. But uh, we're building a house and it was not going well to start and it hadn't rained for like 45 days and then as soon as we started it just rained every day. And Things weren't going very well, and I was kind of struggling a little bit with patience. And I think it was your mom, might not have been, but somebody said, it sounds like God's trying to teach you a thing or two about patience. <laughs> and you can blow that off at first, um, but then when it just keeps happening and keeps happening and keeps happening, and at some point you do yield, and you, you go to God with a confession of, okay, perhaps you're trying to teach me about patience. Teach me what I need, what I need to know. If there's a lesson, let the lesson be taught and absorbed (laughs) and then demonstrated uh, in an act of faith, right? I think that's what God expects from us when those lessons come, is a demonstration that the lesson's been learned and then demonstrate that in a lack of faith by not going back to that same spot. Uh, Any other reasons why God might delay? There's another one that's really important. It's really big.
4: Yeah, I think it depends on the
3: situation.
4: Sometimes you know, things
0: are delayed for your own protection. Yeah. You're not ready for it yet. Yeah, there, I think you just hit it. It's timing. Yeah. God has a plan, and you, you could be operating in advance of his timing. Right? We could just be out of sync with God a little bit, and there's good reason for him to delay. Have you ever seen that where you're praying for something and praying for something, and then all of a sudden like months or days or years later, all of these things sort of converge together. You're like, oh, I was just trying to get ahead of God. Those things happen all the time. I think when they happen, uh, that's one thing I like about the writing of uh, Henry Blackaby and then his son uh, as well, both pretty good authors, Southern Baptists also, is they say we should write those things down. Those are like spiritual markers when we see God move and converge things together. We should write those down because we're forgetful people, right? You can go back to those and remember those, those events where you saw God move. That's essentially what you saw. Cool. All right. So do you guys want to read uh, verses 5 through 37, or do you want to just jump ahead? you want to jump ahead to Jesus being there and performing the miracle, or do you want to enjoy some of the juicy stuff in between? Juicy stuff in between? All right. Well, uh, will somebody pick up and start reading then? 5 through about maybe 20, and then we'll have somebody else read around. John 11, 5 through 20. Just see where that gets us.
4: Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, and this doesn't make sense to me, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after, he said, then after this, he said to the disciples, Let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just thinking to stone you there, and you want to go back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walk, um, walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Then he said, After that, he said to them, she, our, I'm sorry, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that we may waken him out of his sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Therefore, Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, so that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house.
0: Somebody want to pick up and read, like, 21 through 37? Thank you. Thank you.
1: Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying?
0: Maybe no, we'll pick it up in a second. <clears throat> so one, one quick reminder and then a couple of things out of those <clears throat> verses. The quick reminder is this, that God may not work on our timetable, but he does work. And he will work in a way that brings him glory. That's one thing that we can be convinced of uh, at all times. Um, Some interesting uh, things happened in the reading uh, that these two ladies just did for us. Uh, One of those is is that Jesus uh, tells his disciples that Lazarus is asleep. Did he get new information? Was there a new new messenger to arrive? Because the first messenger came and said, Lazarus is sick he sticks around two more days, and then he tells his disciples, Lazarus is dead. Did he get new news? No, he knows, right? right. Uh, and that, this is one of those uh, stories when you're working with someone that's an unbeliever, right? That we, we can cite as evidence, right? Jesus knows, he's, he's there, he, he's, he's got all of the details. Uh, and then you hear a nice confession of Martha's faith uh, whenever Jesus encounters her, and when she comes out first, she talks about, she, she acknowledges that Lazarus will live again. And he'll live again uh, at the point where he's living in a resurrected body uh, at, in the end. And, uh, and then she also makes a proclamation of faith in describing who Jesus is. She describes him as Jesus, the son of God, right? Very similar to the way that Peter expressed uh, a word of faith uh, in Christ. Uh, which I thought those were two, two strong points in that middle part. Uh, and then you hear about the Jews describing Jesus and his affection for this family. Does Jesus like these people? Yeah, they're his friends. says he's deeply moved. Um, this is where we start to understand the nature of God a little bit more, and that was one of the, the key things in the commentary that they wanted us to get out is that Jesus being fully God, right, he doesn't have to have a messenger come and tell him that Lazarus is dead. He doesn't need any help in raising Lazarus from the dead. Uh, but also he still weeps and expresses uh, human emotion and friendships and love in a, in a true way to where even those standing by were like, wow, he really loves these people. Um, and that's, that's supposed to give us a picture of what it's like to actually walk with him. He's physically with us and walking with us and experiencing this life with us, and yeah, he he has emotions, and his heart was broken for them. Um, So then we get to verse 38. Um, Will somebody read 38 to 43 for us? Jesus once more deeply moved came to the
4: tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Did you say the 43th?
0: Oh uh, yeah 43 yep. Um, so again, we get the element of timing, right? Um, this is, sounds like a typical tomb. There's a stone laid across the entrance. Um, Jesus says, "Take away the stone," and then we get the other the statement. "Hey, are you sure you want to do that right he's been in there four days by now there's, a, there's this bad odor. Um, so what if Jesus came two days prior? right there wouldn't have been this fear right so now we're getting into some of the Jewish customs and things like that like this was it appropriate for anyone to remove the covering of a grave never um, you could you could open and open the grave and move someone within a short period of time without the grave being desecrated or the person... They were, they were handling them being unclean and all of these types of things. There were temporary graves, and then there were permanent graves. If you've been in here this long, that's supposed to be sealed forever, right? So it's kind of a break of tradition. It also, it's going to stink, right? I mean, there, there's a lot of customary things happening here uh, as well, that Jesus is sort of breaking wide open and like, I can go wherever I want to go, even inside of a, a, a sealed tomb that's past its appropriate time. Uh, which, which is pretty interesting. So they take away the stone, uh, and then Jesus does something interesting. Uh, what, is, what does he do in that moment? After they move the stone? He, he prays, right? He, he says that uh, uh, they take away the stone, Jesus looked up, so he looks up to heaven, uh, and, he, and he starts praying. He says, Father, I thank you for, that you've heard me, I know that you'll always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, right? So again, we're seeing this this duality of his nature, right, where he's fully human, he's with these people in body, he's totally heartbroken for them, and yet he demonstrates something in their presence that he does not have to do. Kind of a cool thing, right? Um, I love the confidence as well, and he says it out loud. I say that for these people, so they'll benefit, but you always hear me. Um, Does he always hear us? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? Spirit of God lives within us, right? Um, And then it says, uh, I I say all this so that they will believe that you sent me. Uh, And then when he says all that, he calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Uh, What do you think Lazarus is doing right up until he hears his name? Like, where is he? What's what's he up to? Where do do we believe that we'll be when our body's in the tomb? He's in heaven. He's experiencing the closeness of God. Scripture says either at the the feet of the throne or he's worshiping or he's dining at God's table. He's, He's enjoying whatever heaven is for us. Right, there, there are many versions. He could be walking a street of gold. He could be you know, uh, enjoying cloudless skies. Who, who knows? He may be uh, checking out his mansion in heaven. I mean, who, who knows what he's doing? But his name gets called, and he's like, thrust? He's like, I'm not sure Yeah. Right. And it's one of those uh, reminders of how close heaven really is right then in a moment we can be there and in a moment and he didn't start journeying back to the body four days ago or he didn't have he's not you know you
4: know
0: in a moment jesus calls him back into this body from heaven and, and that's why in scripture there talks about that when this world is done, that it all sort of rolls up like a scroll, that heaven's just, it's right there somewhere, <laughs> uh, which is really a cool thing. And he orders him to come out, and I, I always wonder if he really wanted to, mm-hmm. right? Probably not, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, so, the question on page 111 in your book is, how does our faith allow us to experience God's glory? I think in this particular case, we, we see that faith had to be extended, right? They had to allow him to open up the tomb, right, and demonstrate some faith, right? They, they know this Jesus, they love this Jesus, and they loved him enough to say, well, whatever he's got cooked up, it's going to be Okay. Right, And sometimes that's the greatest confession of our faith we can have is we can say, God, we don't know what you're up to, but we trust you with it, right? Isn't that just the basic expression of faith? Yeah. I
4: actually wonder if Lazarus had any memory. Of heaven. Otherwise, it's like, you can live read that. but can I die today? You know, <laughs> right. can today, be today. Yeah. Everybody, you know, you're sick. You just want to be all over. To, you know, you're like, can, can you give me what you have? <laughs> I mean, just
0: imagine you've been in heaven for four days. Yeah. Well, it says, you know, when we, when we enter heaven, that all is revealed, right? I mean, right. nothing has to be hidden from us anymore. I mean, he knows all of it, he knows God's plan. I mean, it's just like, wow. So, therefore, he would know the impact
3: right. that his yeah. returning would have
0: had. Yeah. So, the last verse is here for today John eleven forty-four through 45. Will somebody read those for us?
1: A man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, "Take off the grave clothes and let him go." Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him yeah.
0: so there's the impact right It's not just the family gets the loved one back right that would be that' would bring God enough the worry like they would they would certainly be even more secure in their faith right but Many people have gathered in the process of mourning over the process of several days, and these people are now you know, hanging on on everything that they've just seen. Uh, yeah, right? Uh, what do we know about Mary and Martha? Um, we know some things about them, right? Uh, we know they're, they're pretty popular. Uh, we, we know that one's a very good housekeeper. We also know that one poured some very expensive perfume Uh, on Jesus so they probably have you know some to do they're probably well known in their their community um what about Lazarus what do we know about him maybe nothing (laughs) um wherever Jesus went he was things were miracles were happening yeah so we we know he's Jesus' friend right um interesting stuff. I was always struck by the, the words uh, in uh, verse 44 where it says, and let him go. Um, I know you have to take the grave clothes off and all of that, but this whole let him go, it almost makes me think that when they took him off, Lazarus took off running. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> let the guy free. You know, it sounded like he was maybe fighting to get free. Um, so the question for us is, have you ever seen God demonstrating this, or, or have you Have you seen God demonstrating his glory to draw others to Christ? How have you seen? I can't read. Um, Have you ever seen God demonstrate his glory and draw other people to Christ? Very interesting. I heard some of the things that Joe had said, but Joe was describing how Brady had seen death and what it looks like, and he knows things about it that perhaps we don't, you know. And uh, very interesting that uh, God would use that that kid as an example. There may be people that were sitting in church last week. They were they're wondering what death looks like and what it might look like without Christ, and you know now now they've been told the story, you know. A really cool thing. Uh, any other examples you guys want to share today? Kind of out of time because we talked a lot in the, uh, the setup today. Um, looking ahead to, uh, to this week, um, we're going so these are some things to try and, and take this story into your, your regular life uh, throughout the week. Uh, make an intentional effort to trust God to work in the middle of whatever difficulty you're facing. We've heard some examples today that, uh, where God has intervened. <coughs> it. it says, think about an area of your life in which you have not been obedient and consequently not or, uh, honored God as you should. Confess that and then make any adjustments that are necessary. Uh, and then finally, encourage walk alongside someone who's going through difficulty. Uh, be the presence of Christ to that person. Encourage them to see where God is a, at work, to trust him, and then to let his honor shine through them in their situation. I think we'll, uh, hopefully something came to mind there where you can you can take that and, and work it in this week. We'll stop there today. Are there any uh, questions or, or comments?